0: By the late 1970s, the United States had been impacted by recession, unemployment, and rising crime rates. The once prosperous textile city of Riverfall, Massachusetts, was hit particularly hard. Factories closed, buildings were abandoned, and the downtown area had become a total wasteland, leaving behind a void that provided the ground for a thriving trade in drugs and sex work. A series of murders took place between October 1979 and February 1980. Women, both local sex workers, had been bound, raped, tortured, and bludgeoned to death. A third victim's body would never be found beyond a skull fragment and clumps of hair left behind. The investigation into the brutal killings resulted in the tabloid media frenzy with headlines that seemed to confirm the most outlandish, satanic panic, fear-mongering. In the end, the Fear River cult murders became the most sensational criminal case to come out of Fall River since Lizzie Borden stood trial for butchering her parents a century earlier.
1: I'm Jada Smith.
0: And I'm Alicia Gulati. And this is Two Sisters and a Cult. It is a podcast.
1: Sister cult survivors.
0: Talking about cults.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: So, uh, today's episode definitely comes with a massive disclaimer. Our episodes are always explicit. This one early explicit. explicit. Uh, there's going to be a lot of um, murderous things that happen. Bludgeoning. Violence. Things like that. So, if that stuff makes you sick just don't listen. We love you guys anyway. Um, yeah, just going to preface it all with that. There's not some not fun. Um, so Jada, today I want to ask you a question. How do you feel about Satanism?
1: I don't know anybody who, uh, like claim to be a Satanist precisely. Mm -hmm. Um, so I couldn't say anything about people. I feel like like the, the murderous things that happen, and then you find out the person was a Satanist or whatever. That's like the extreme of rebelling against the Bible, like taking evil as good and good as evil. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I can't really say anything against rebelling against the Bible, but. <laughs> like not that hard don't go that hard (laughs) yes (laughs) go hard but not that hard not that hard (laughs) (laughs) I
0: love it yeah so from what I know about satanism satanists don't even really worship satan like the actual church of satan um they don't worship satan it is more about humanity having free will it's more about anti god and anti-christianity than anything else that's my understanding i really do want to do an episode on the church of satan uh, because they are a religious organization and a cultish organization the way they started so they're one that i'd like to discuss on here for sure Um, but as for like satanic panic good god i can't even handle it like all i imagine is like, all these white women who work at the, like, go to the local <laughs> and they're all, like, gossiping around their Chardonnay and talking about how, you know, Johnny said this and little Becky said this and, like, it's Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. handle it. It's just, it's so, oh my God. And then that, there was that one group, that one thing that happened, I want to say it was 70s, I listened to a podcast. They were talking about it, where an in t- uh, uh, what was it? A place where you send children. What is it called? Uh, Young children.
1: Placement center orphanage.
0: No. Daycare. God. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there was this daycare that was run by a mother and her son, and her son was one of the teachers and one, one mother who was later, uh, found to be schizophrenic came forward and said that this man touched her son. So then a kind of therapist ish, she was not licensed in any way, came forward and tested all the children, but it was more like Johnny said that he was touched in this place and that you were also like pointing to the bear. Uh, but you know, if you're lying to us, then then maybe you're not a good friend. You know, like very it hurt impactfully hurtful information like language to use with children. Cause obviously mm-hmm. you're gonna get the answer that you want. So it absolutely ruined like it later became that it was unfounded, none of it was true. All these children were coerced into saying that someone touched them. Like how trauma like traumatic for those children. but also traumatic for the fact that this man had to like like this man and his and his mom lost their business lost everything lost their reputation like can't go anywhere because the entire nation knows about what you quote unquote did it's just oh it's fucked up anyway so today we were talking about satanic panic (laughs) but it might not have been so crazy in this instance uh, this is going to be definitely the extreme. And today we are talking about the Fall River cult murders. Was it a cult? It sounds like it. Um, do we know enough about it? No. To constitute it as a cult? Not really. But we're going to go with it. Because it's the word cult is in there. So we're going with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the current culture during this time we've already touched on it a little bit but for many the spiritual awakening of the 1960s led to something of an existential crisis we've talked about this in other episodes the 1960s were a time 60s were a time of awakening people were figuring out holy cow we don't have to be just christians we can look at other stuff we can americans are traveling more it was the whole thing so some found refuge in communes, other turn, others turned to drugs, and, of course, there were all the diet fads. Mm-hmm. Uh, many would join the ranks of the new religious movement, which was a cluster of fringe Christian, Eastern mystic, neo-pagan, and various self-help help groups that claimed to offer a path to self-discovery and higher. I would say I'm probably somewhere in there. Um, mm mm-hmm. The spirit of religious revival was in the air, but not everyone was celebrating. New religious sects led to the rise of the counter-cult movement, which we'll talk about uh, in a later episode. We'll just talk about that whole movement. Uh, Not surprisingly, Christian fundamentalists came to ruin the party. (laughs) (laughs) The shock propaganda of these counter-cultists successfully tapped into a social anxiety that was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen to our poor children if we're not home with them anymore? Oh my God.
1: Oh, we've got trouble
0: right here in River City. Oh, yes, Fall River. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with more women joining the workforce. Oh my gosh. How terrible for a man to stay home. <sighs> and increasingly, teenagers left to their own. There was a new level of fear and uncertainty. Okay, I get it, but Jesus. The threat of one's children falling victim to some crazed-out cult seemed very real. I mean, you think, Manson? Holy cow, how in the world did that happen? These kids grew up in such great families. Their parents were never home. (laughs) Or so the public was led to believe. So that's where this social context, of which was a cultural phenomenon, known as the Satanic Panic, this is when this was born, It was fueled by religious fanatics, because when is panic never fueled by religious fanatics, Mm -hmm. whack psychiatrists, and the tabloid media. It was claimed that a vast satanic criminal network, (laughs) this is the satanic mafia if you don't know, (laughs) (laughs) existed throughout the country. They were organized devil worshippers, and they were responsible for any number, including kidnapping, child abuse, animal mutilation, rape, torture, human sacrifice, and cannibalism, all of which was taking place under our noses. Oh, God. (sighs) Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Let's just dive in, because I'm on my soapbox already. Clearly, if you guys can't tell by my tone, (laughs) I am on my soapbox. Woo! (sighs) Okay, so, this idea that all of these heinous acts, kidnapping, child abuse, animal mutilation, rape, torture, human sacrifice, cannibalism, those sound like a bunch of white serial killers to me. Anybody (sighs) else? No? No? Just Alicia? Okay, it's the Satanists, if you don't know, guys. All these terrible Satanists doing Satan-y shit. (sighs) Now we're getting into Fall River. So, as we talked about, Fall River is in Massachusetts and it was hit really hard with the Depression and the recession and everything going on in the 19, late 1970s. Uh, so, between October 1979 and February 1980, that's when these bodies were found. And the body of the first victim was found on October 13th, 1979. And this was Doreen. Levesque. Her, we're going to call her Doreen because I'm not going to try <laughs> to say the last name again at all. <laughs> she was a 17-year-old runaway. She was a,
1: <laughs> a
0: runaway from New Bedford and was discovered behind Dimmel Vocational High School. Her oh. wrists had been bound. This is not funny at all. Sorry, guys. Uh, Her wrists had been bound with fishing line and there were signs of sexual torture. She had been stabbed in the head several times and suffered. Yeah. Police discovered that the young girl had been uh, using, had been a sex worker and initially suspected that it was a John. Clients, if you don't know what a John is and you're sheltered, (laughs) suspected one of her clients of committing the murder. However, the county medical examiner determined that the killing was likely committed by more than one person, and the forensic evidence also suggested that a ritual element had been done with the crime. So, possibly a death by stoning. So, a lot of people thought, oh my goodness, now we know who it is. Satan is ruling the criminal underworld of Fall River done, done, done.
1: Uh,
0: Yeah. So a month after the discovery of Doreen's battered body, a man named Andy Malteus visited the Fall River Police Station. Now, Andy Malteus is a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Piece of shit. He was there to file a missing persons report for his girlfriend, a 22-year-old sex worker named Barbara Raposa, who he thought you know, she works the same streets. I think something's going on and I'm worried for her see. Okay, sure. He, he then mumbled something about satanic cults and claimed to have information relating to Doreen's murder, the first woman. Now, by all accounts, Andy Malteus was mentally unstable and he was a fucking creep. He was a pedophile, a sexual sadist, a violent rapist, and as of a recent religious conversion, a devout Christian. (laughs) Oh, God. Those mix well, don't they? Oh, don't they ever. He said, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. He held his small Bible up to tell the police officers. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. Once I worshipped Satan, but now I worship Jesus. Okay, that's a weird way to start an interview. Uh, (laughs) So according to his statement, him and his girlfriend Barbara were practicing Satanist at the time of her disappearance, and they were members of a local cult. Doreen was also involved in this cult, according to him, and he claimed to have no direct knowledge of the crime and told police that he believed that the cult was responsible. So it seemed super far-fetched, but two days later, the police were introduced to two women, Karen Marsden and Robin Murphy. Now, Robin Murphy is a name you are going to want. Karen Marsden, though, she was a twenty-year-old single woman, a uh, single mom—not single woman. Oh, I'm a single ladies. Oh, I'm a single ladies. Awesome. <laughs> See see anyway anyway um so like many of her peers who worked the uh fall river red light district she was a runaway and drug addict and the police uh, describe her as nervous and emotional now Robin murphy on the other hand they were in their interrogation room together or wherever they karen's talking she's chatty chatty over here telling the cops everything going on Robin Murphy, on the other hand, is cold, deliberate, and calculated. She was younger. She's 17. Uh, both were sex workers. and But Robin was an aspiring pimp. She was a tough street kid who was described as possessing a high degree of intelligence and a domineering person. The girls were open about their relationship as roommates and lovers. You know, hashtag whatever. Mm-hmm. Their connection to Andy Malteus, however didn't really seem to fit anywhere they just knew him from around i mean his girlfriend was a sex worker also so i'm assuming it was something like that Mm. so throughout the interview uh robin murphy is quiet she's simply studying the officers and she'll occasionally just like roll her eyes at her friend karen over there yappy yappy Mm -hmm. and karen did all the talking Rambling about, you know, random things, talking through tears. Cops are having a hard time like making out what she's saying. But then she says, Carl Drew killed Doreen. A lot of characters in this story, guys. I hope y'all are up for it. (laughs) So, Carl Drew was not new to the police. They knew him. They were like, oh, yeah, no, we know that guy. He was a 26 year old pimp with a violent reputation who ran his business out of the Bedford Street District. He was originally from New Hampshire, raised on a small farm, had a really shitty, you know, childhood, whatever. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But he eventually ran away from home at a young age of 14 and found his place on, you know, Fall River Criminal Underground. And satanic shit. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> Woo <woop. laughs>
0: So he fit the profile the cops were looking for, obviously. Because, like, ooh, bad guy, pimp, yes, let's go for him. He was probably mad at her got you know unleashed his savagery on doreen and yeah that sounds right unfortunately they could not really link him to the murder because there was no actual proof other than this other chick um karen telling (laughs) them in her tears that he was the one who did it and you know the last thing she said was if i turn up dead it was drew who did it I mean, who doesn't say things like that to be dramatic? Anyway. <laughs> so the detectives couldn't really do anything, uh, and they started calling it the Fall River Cult. Of course. Because someone said it was a cult, so obviously it's a cult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Karen. God, Karen. Karen, Karen, Karen. <laughs> Karen's crazy. Oh, Karen's crazy. Okay, so Karen said in an interview with the cops um, She said, I'm a good person. I believe in God. And she referred to Carl Drew as the devil, told police of the consequences that she expected for her betrayal and her bravery. Ah, Look at me. But, of course, in a narrative mirrored by the Manson family, she claimed that Drew organized his sex work ring as a satanic coven that he ruled with an iron fist. Satan will take his toll. He would threaten the girls. And for the more Christian fearful, like Karen, <laughs> this meant not only a violent death, she believed that her soul would be sacrificed and cast into the flaming pits of hell for all eternity. Because people have that kind of power, right? No, they don't. Totally, I've, I've seen that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, pr- it's proven. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so another uh, young area sex worker with ties to the cult carol fletcher a lot of names here sorry guys uh the main ones to know are andy Malteus and uh robin murphy okay those are the main ones so Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. It's been their guiding principle since the moment they launched. Their mattresses are designed to make good sleep accessible to everyone. The Allswell features hybrid mattress technology combining the best of both worlds, memory foam and individual coils. A winning blend for comfort and support. Love it. Their goal is to create an affordable mattress without sacrificing quality or luxury. So what's the result? The Oswald Queen mattress costs only $345. And no, that is not a joke. Their Queen mattress is only $345. By using our special link, you can get free shipping, a 10-year limited warranty, and 100 nights risk-free trial. Definitely go check it out. You can find our link in the show notes That lets Allswell know that we sent you and helps to support our show. Or you can simply go to twosisterscolt.com slash savings and you'll be able to find the link on our page. We have all our favorite things on there, but definitely go check out Allswell and get yourself a queen mattress. Allswell, dreamy mattresses for real life. Carol Fletcher was also a sex worker uh, with ties to the cult. She went to the, with police and Karen, of course, because Karen took police (laughs) to the Freetown State Forest. And it was here that they claimed that the cult had their evening gatherings. And when they passed an algae covered pool of water, Karen cowered in fear. She said, this is where, Carl Drew said he would dump my body after injecting acid into my veins and offering my soul to Satan. Wow. I mean, he sounds like a really shitty guy. Yeah. No one's been found that way. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, another girl who worked for Drew named uh, Mildred Jukes later told police of his planned retribution against a woman who had gotten her arrested. Uh, for uh, sex work. He said he was going to kill her for it, entire to tree be sacrificed and pour warm blood from a live goat all over her face. I mean, if you're already dead, I'm not sure why. Wow.
1: That That's overkill.
0: Right. I mean, he just sounds like he's dramatic yeah. and he's doing a lot of threatening. Okay, Miss Hannigan. Jeez.
1: Right, like I'm going to pull your heart out of your throat. Yeah, right. Oh. No. oh. <laughs>
0: i'm already dead at that point i don't care <laughs> so obviously carl drew equals satanist equals bad guy equals the murderer right Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so if the stories are to be believed obviously it seems like you got your your cert sur- your suspect you know exactly who did it mm-hmm. but they got karen talking more of course And they found out that it was not just Carl Drew who was a dangerous individual in her life. Her roommate and lover, Robin Murphy, also had a dark side. A very, very dark side. Even before her introduction to the circle, circle of Satanists, the young girl had long been dabbling in the occult. She was also described by those around her as being psychologically unstable and prone to violence. Far from being unwilling to participate in these, uh, you know, satanic groupies, she also soon came to be, you know, later we'll find out, she was probably the one who... So, as the detectives are becoming more and more familiar with each of these crazy Clue-esque characters... Anybody ever play the game Clue? <laughs> who
1: did <Yes>. it
0: <laughs> So it's very Clue-style. It's a Clue cult. <laughs> so... Um, another body was discovered. On January 26, 1980, a frozen the frozen and bloodied corpse of Barbara Raposa was found in the woods behind an abandoned printing factory. Did we talk about Barbara already? I feel like we did. Her wrists were tied together with fishing line, she had been sexually assaulted, and her skull had been crushed with a rock. Another local sex worker and Satanist dabbler killed in cold blood again so this gave them idea okay we need to start connecting these dots you know we need to cop to what we're going to do how who are we going to bring in what's going to happen well Mm -hmm. the first person to be interviewed in connection with um barbara's death was andy Malteus. he was the last person to see her alive oh that was his girlfriend yes Uh, yes yes okay As you'll remember, he was the one who went to the cops in the first place and said, Hey, my girlfriend's missing. I think something happened to her. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he denied any knowledge of the crime. However, a few days later, he contacted the police after receiving details of the murder in a, quote, psychic dream. Uh Very, very specific details. (laughs) Cops played along and brought Mateus to the crime scene, allowed him to describe what he saw in his quote-unquote dream. And it turns out he was quite the clairvoyant because he knew exactly where the body was discovered, its positioning, time of death, and the methods of killing, and various other details that had not even been made public yet. Guys, don't ever murder someone, but if you're going to. (laughs) Don't, like. Do that. Know exactly what's public and what's not. Okay. I mean, don't kill anybody, guys. Don't just don't no, no. That's not good. No. We don't. We do not condone murder. Thank you.
1: <sighs>
0: All right. So he was confused, obviously, when they put him in handcuffs and charged him with murder. <laughs> what? But I just told you everything. I'll do everything I knew. It was my psyching. So in the days following his arrest, the investigation uh, got some further help from Robin Murphy. You know, the young uh, 17-year-old who, who had a sadistic flair of her own, mm. contacted the police and offered to testify against Andy Malteus as a witness to the murder. She claimed that she was there for the killing of Doreen and agreed to turn state's evidence in that case as well. In exchange for her cooperation, she got a deal where she was placed in protective custody and granted immunity in both of the murders. The murders that she most likely spearheaded. Yeah. Smart bitch. That's all I gotta say. (laughs) So she told police that the reason she didn't go to the police earlier was because that Maltese had threatened her with the same fate if she talked and it was only that when he was behind bars that she felt comfortable coming forward and telling uh-huh. the story uh-huh yeah so this is the story that she gave police and she later repeated it in court was that annie maltese had killed barbara after discovering that she had been cheating on him with another man so she claimed that to have been with both of them on the night of the murder. They'd all been partying together while driving around the city. And at some point, the couple started arguing. Maltese then parked the car behind the event factory, dragged Barbara out and raped her. She cried for help. And then he proceeded to beat her um, first with his fist and then with the rock. Afterwards, he drove off with Murphy, leaving his bloodied girl. Her story was full of holes, though. But seeing as he already had a past with sexual sadism, is that a word? Is that right? Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And violence, it was enough to put him away because it was. So obviously the headlines were like, well, we want something juicier. That doesn't mean we wanted the cult stuff. Yeah. So what about Doreen? So we have the story about Barbara, but what exactly happened to Doreen? Robin told the court that Doreen's killing was an offering of the soul to Satan and that, as expected, Carl Drew, the other guy, was behind it. She claimed that the te- that the teenage sex worker had recently left Drew's coven with the intention of working the streets on her own and, obviously, leaving the group was no-go, so, of course, Satan's toll had to be paid. Aiming to collect, Drew tracked down his former employee, forced her into his car, and Robin, Karen, and a man named Willie Smith, who was Drew's friend and a fellow Satanist, came along for the ride. Carl Drew threatened Doreen, telling her that she couldn't afford to work the streets alone, backhanded her across the face. They pulled up behind the high school, and the two men took the girl under some bleachers out of sight while Robin and Karen stayed in the car. So according to her initial statement, Robin didn't hear any screams and claimed to not see see anything. And after a while, the men returned without Doreen and the four of them drove away. And when asked what happened to her, Drew replied, you don't want to know. Robin's version of that would have made sense if, like, the way that Doreen had been killed, had been a smothering or something like that. But because Mm -hmm. it was such a violent crime, that's the first woman that we mentioned. I mean, she was like multiple head, you know, stabs to the head, um, you know, had been violently murdered. So it's hard to believe that she didn't hear or see anything, right? Right. Doesn't make any sense. But according to her, the whole ordeal was over in the matter of minutes. And she told police that she wasn't even certain that Doreen had been murdered until she saw it in the paper a few days later. Afterwards, her story seemed to shift a little bit and started adding in the satanic embellishments. Apparently those had slipped her mind during the initial interview. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. But Robin wasn't the only cult member talking to police at the time. Since her initial interview, Karen (laughs) continued to stay in touch with detectives and it was generally believed that she'd been present for both murders, though her recollection was obviously a bit drug addled and uh, she was back and forth with what exactly happened. While she maintained that Carl Drew was the cult figurehead behind these killings, she said that Robin also played a direct leading role, which they're like, well, fuck. We just gave this lady immunity. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> In particular, according to Karen... <laughs> I love calling her that. Uh-huh. It's bad, because I think she ends up dead Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. Uh-huh. Sorry, not sorry. In particular, according to Karen, she had Instructed all of those present to take part in the mutilation of Doreen and Barbara's bodies. So, either like maybe for a ritual or something, but more likely just to keep their silence if they were directly involved in the crime. That makes more sense. So, unfortunately, Karen was considered an unreliable witness due to her drug use, erratic behavior, and unwillingness to testify in court. Her statements are treated as. But you have Robin the possible leader of this group saying, oh yeah, hell yeah, I will testify in court if you give jizz. Mm-hmm. This is such a good story. I love it. I mean, it's terrible. Terrible story. But it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. It's so interesting. It's
0: yeah, awful. So it's not to say that they didn't doubt her claims. It was just that they couldn't really put a lot of weight on it because she was like always on the verge of a mental breakdown and was super paranoid and she was reported missing on February 9th, 1980. Two months later, a grisly discovery was made in a nearby beach town of Westport. While clearing a parcel of land, a man stumbled across the top half of a human skull. Police arrived to the scene and conducted a more detailed search of the area. They turned up the decaying carcass of three cats, sheep bones, and clumps of human hair. They also found some jewelry, a high-heeled shoe, and piece of torn... Pieces torn from a woman's sweater.
1: Mm.
0: Forensics determined that it belonged to Karen's. I know I was giving Karen shit. No, she's mm. Soon after, a woman named Maureen contacted police and named Robin as Karen's killer. The intercult killings had gone too far. Maureen was a former sex worker who lived in the Harbor Terrace housing projects near Fall, River- Fall River's waterfront. And she had hosted a number of satanic gatherings in her uh, apartment and acted as something of a den mother uh, to the young sex workers, runaways, and drug users that hung out there. She was also Robin's ex-lover. And so according to Mm -hmm. her, Robin had admitted to the murders during a phone call. Carol, who had initially uh, been with Karen at the police station when they went and took that tour of the state forest, remember? She came forward with information. She said that Robin and Carl Drew were responsible for the murder. So that Drew's friend, Carl, uh, Carl Davis, got so many goddamn Carl's in this thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Carl, Carl. OK, Carl Drew. He's the guy from before his friend, Carl Davis, who was a pimp who operated out of both Fall River and Providence, Rhode Island, that um, he was there, both of them were there and that Carol herself had driven the group to a secluded, wooded area where the satanic sacrifice took place. So, as part of her witness protection agreement in the original case, Robin had been relocated to Dallas, Texas, where she was staying with friends until Malteus went to trial. And following the accusations that connected her to Karen's murder, a warrant was issued for her arrest, and she was immediately brought back to Fall River. Carl Drew and Carl Davis were also indicted and placed under arrest. And they were um, obviously they weren't hard to track down because both of them were serving short sentences in county jail already.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) On assault charges. Obviously, they're not good people, guys. During her interrogation, Robin broke down and told the cops everything. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Karen had become too much of a liability, obviously. She was witness to the killing of Doreen, rumored to have gone to the police. Carl Drew decided her fate. With the help of Carl Davis, he forced Robin to take part in the murder as an act of loyalty to the cult. So, pretty much exactly what she was doing, she just switched. Mm -hmm. According to her statement, um, Robin was made to drag Karen from the car and pull out her hair. This was followed by a ritual stoning by Drew, Murphy, Fletcher, and Davis. Carl Drew then cut off one of Karen's fingers, quote, to make her feel pain, and broke her neck with his bare hands. While in a trance-like state and under the direction of Carl Drew, Robin followed up by slitting Marsden's throat with a knife that was handed to her by Carl Davis. The two men then tore the girl's head off and kicked it around the- Okay, sorry guys. Okay, so the frenzied post-mortem defilement, obviously, because it's Satanism, like the extreme of Satanism, not the good Satanism, Um, made sure that, you know, you have to have some type of sexual relations in order to have the full act of sacrifice to Satan, right? You see this in like a lot of the uh, movies and shows and shit. Yeah, pretty much. Drew carved an X into Karen's torso and began to speak in tongues, offering her soul to the Dark Lord. He then dipped his thumb in her blood and made an X on Karen, uh, not Karen, Robin's forehead. And of course, to break one final moral taboo, Robin was made to perform oral sex on the headless body before it was dumped in the woods, doused in gasoline, and burned to
1: ashes. What? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody needs to come get them. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) does. I would agree. Somebody come get them. Obviously. Somebody come get your kids.
0: (laughs) I mean, either like (sighs) some really fucked up shit or Robin
1: has a really fucked
0: up imagination.
1: Yeah, both. I would say. I think they did something awful, but I think she lied. Yeah. And that's equally as bad yeah
0: why uh what a creep so there aren't really a lot of facts known about exactly how the sex river cult operated because there was so much back and forth he said she said it was really hard to actually like know exactly what happened And it came to light later that there was a bit of witness tampering, manipulation, misconduct took place throughout the investigation by the police, which doesn't help. Not surprising either. (laughs) Um, They helped frame the case based on their own strongly held Catholic beliefs as like a satanic panic drama. So (sighs) it's tempting to just dismiss it as like this was nothing. It was obviously just some murderers and some sex workers and some... Like people forget that like sex workers drug addicts they're people they're human beings they have feelings they have mental illnesses they have issues but they're still human beings um and the fact that three women all connected through their occupation and their extracurricular occult activities were Uh brutally murdered like the other stuff doesn't matter three women were brutally murdered so more about satanist shit. Uh, there was a a mass, uh, like a gathering, kind of not like full Catholic mass, but there was a mass. Sabbath. Like that. Yeah, that's what they called it. But I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> um, where they like had a little service and they almost like a speaking in tongues, but it was the devil speaking through them. They used um. Warm animals' blood, Ew. Uh, like goats or stray cats. During the ceremonies, they were used in mock baptism and poured over the heads of those gathered. Um, yeah. Robin said later that, uh, you know, this is what kind of things we did. In addition to the chanting and incomprehensible speech, she noted that the use of a skull and substance... And a substance she believed to be human blood during the ceremonies. She said that she had attended 10 cult gatherings between October 7, 1979 and February 1980, including the two where Karen and Doreen were murdered. So, the beliefs of the Fall River cults are better described as theistic Satanism, which means they actually literally worship Satan. Uh, Carl Drew actually told police. While under interrogation. I worship Satan. I worship him like you worship God. So pretty much Satan is. Not treated as like a. Philosophical archetype. He's just like that is God. So. Uh um, As as we said in the beginning. The idea of actual. Like Anton LaVey's. uh, Church of Satan. Is more. That life is a Darwinian struggle for survival or of the fittest than actual, like, we worship Satan as God. It's not really anything like that. And this is more of like homegrown style Satanism than anything. No.
1: They just made some psycho stuff up and put a name to it.
0: Yep. And we're like, yes, this (laughs) sounds like Satanism. But if the uh, three murders were indeed self styled sacrificial offerings to Satan, the details of sexual torment and prolonged torture do follow a certain logic in that uh, if you understand sadistic urges, then torture is used to force the victims to a maximum state of emotional arousal, whereas, believe that the greatest amount of life force is extracted at the moment of death. So, obviously, these two Carls and Robin were sadistic as fuck, if they were all involved. Jeez. They did find a while searching the forest, they did for clues relating to the three murders. Police did discover an abandoned shack where it was claimed that the group held orgies and prepared for their ritual activities. A number of cult-related items, quote unquote, were discovered, but no evidence that could be tied to any of the crimes. Uh, gatherings were held deeper in the forest around quote the altar it was a flat large stone slab where torch lit ceremonies were performed over the bodies of naked sex workers and animals were bled out in satan's honor so as expected the trials of andy maltais carl drew robin murphy and carl davis were a media circus obviously oh. everybody wanted a piece of that action headlines screamed headlines uh-huh. headlines screamed of satanic rights sexual torture and cult murder the public in turn remained unconvinced that these individuals had acted alone they believed that these four were only the tip of the iceberg and that this dangerous cult was just waiting to be unearthed it's funny because people never believe that it's like, you got, like, one extreme of people who they only believe that it was one person, when really it was, like, a bunch of people. And uh-huh. you got the other extreme where you think, oh, no, it could not have been just these few people. They've infiltrated our society. It's a conspiracy. Uh huh. So, anytime a rape, kidnapping, or murder went unsolved in this county, it was the work of this shadowy, satanic network. Oh, God. Obviously. But, of course. Yes, Andy Montez was the first to stand trial. In January 1981, he was convicted in the first degree murder of Barbara and given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. A lot of the case against him was the witness testimony of Robin. He was later considered to be a suspect in a few other unsolved area rapes that date back as early as the er- date back to the early 1970s. But no additional charges were ever brought against him since he was obviously in jail for life. He eventually died of cancer in well, so obviously because the media was calling like all this drama to the cult, it was really hard to have a fair trial for Robin Carl Drew, and Carl Davis anywhere in this county. And so they had to move to Worcester um, in Fitchburg, Massachusetts.. Oh, bye. Second Nature is a premium service solving a very unpremium problem regular air filter replacement. Even that sentence alone sounds a little dull, but trust us, it's a problem worth solving. Most people don't recognize they're supposed to change their filters every couple of months, and the ones that do barely have time to remember it. That's where Second Nature comes in. I recently subscribed to Second Nature when we bought our house and i could not believe the amazing quality and options that are available for air filters for your home i love the easy set it and forget it i get a monthly filter because my son and i have really bad allergies second nature made it so easy and using our promo you can get a month for free we definitely recommend that you try it out and stick with them we've been with them for almost two years now and we absolutely love them you can go to two sisters slash second nature with a second nature subscription you'll never forget your filters again Robin Murphy's lawyer convinced the court that his young client had been under the powerful influence of the satanic cult at the time of the Marsden murders, allowing her to plead to the lesser charge of second degree murder in exchange. Additionally, the immunity deal she struck up with the district held and she received no additional charges in connection with Barbara or Doreen's murder. Robin received a life sentence with the possibility of parole and after spending 24 years behind bars, she was released on June 10th, 2004. However, she violated her parole conditions and was was returned to prison seven years later. She is currently serving her time in a maximum security. Boom. So. The case against Carl Davis fell apart. He never stood trial for his alleged role in the abduction and ritual slaughter of Karen. However, the following year, he was arrested for assaulting uh, one of the sex workers with a deadly weapon. And according to a statement made by Carl Drew on his personal blog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The blog part's funny, not the next part. Okay. Carl. Yeah, yeah beat the three-month pregnant uh, woman and stabbed her in the head with a knife because she had information implicating both him and Robin and absolving Carl Drew in uh, Karen's murder. He served seven years and is now free. Carl Drew uh, would go down as the guiding hand of the Fall River cult murders through numerous character witnesses. It was pretty well established that he was a man who, had, who was feared uh, by basically everyone he knew. He also had a felony record with past convictions for assault, weapons possession, and armed robbery. Robin's uh-huh. testimony painted him as a violent, sadistic killer who acted as the ringleader in these ghastly murders, and the jury were inclined to agree with her. So the further damning evidence came after his ex-girlfriend, a woman named Leah Johnson claimed that Drew admitted to her that he had killed the girl along with uh, Carl Davis, Robin, and another woman, presumably Carol Fletcher, while under the influence of drugs. He also allegedly gave Johnson a diamond ring that belonged to Karen. Despite his unwavering claims of innocence, Carl Drew was convicted in the first-degree murder of Karen and is serving a life sentence in Shirley, Massachusetts, with no possibility of parole, He's filed multiple appeals over the years, seeking a new trial. His most recent and final was denied in 2006. Drew supporters are currently petitioning for the Massachusetts governor to review his case. Drew supporters? Yeah, apparently he's got supporters. Because they think that it was Robin who did all of it. Uh, He was already a sadistic piece of shit, so it's kind of like... I don't know. But you don't deserve to go to jail for something you didn't do. That's not what I'm saying. All right. Anyway. The case involving Doreen's murder never went to trial. The district attorney claimed that it would be close costly uh, since everyone involved had already been indicted and uh, tried and charged. So they said that it would just... So as I said before, there was a lot of allegations of witness tampering, falsified information, insufficient counsel, legal rights violations, and police misconduct. During the cases against um, Andy Malteus and Carl Drew, uh, they seem to come apart following a shocking admission by Robin Murphy, when she recanted her entire testimony in an unsuccessful bid for a new trial in 19... Oh, fuck. (laughs) Robin later told a parole board, I believe Carl Drew was guilty of killing Karen and many, many other women in the area. I believed he belonged in jail, but also knew justice was not taking place. So I made the story up. She claimed that she was not actually present for Barbara's murder and admitted to fabricating the testimony that led to Andy Malteus uh, getting convicted for retribution uh, and no, getting convicted, and that was her retribution for him sexually abused. Uh, he sec- he molested her since she was the age of eleven. She she was seventeen at the time of the murders. A number of other witnesses also recanted their trial statements, claiming that they were made under police pressure or else the influence of drugs. Uh, Carol, who was a key witness uh, allegedly present for Karen's murder, maintains that she was threatened by police into making her false statements in order to convict Carl Drew. She now claims that the murder did not even take place in the woods of Westport, According to a revised version of the event, Robin killed Karen at the Harbor Terrace housing projects in Fall River, and the body was dismembered and dumped at various locations, which makes sense then going out in the woods. Murder- <sighs> which, okay, if you're going to go down on a corpse Corp. that has no head, who is that for, exactly? Satan. That's for Satan, guys. That's who it's for.
1: Anyway. Sounds
0: like he's Satan. Jeez. Right? Good lord. Uh, so Carol said that they were fighting, and Robin started pulling Karen's hair out of her head. And that she saw Robin put the knife toward Karen and then ran off because she was scared. Paul Carey, he was a detective from the Fall River Major Crimes Division at the time who worked all on the case. He has his own theory. He said, I still believe that Doreen was murdered because Robin was in love with her and became jealous when Doreen started seeing Carl Drew. Mm-hmm. He believes that Robin and Karen were present when Doreen was killed. He thinks that Robin killed Barbara because she was an Andy Malteus. And Robin admitted that she and Barbara had previously been lovers. And I believe Robin killed Karen. Because of the two previous murders. Karen was at the scene of those murders. And I believe Robin knew she was the weak link and might get them convicted. Which I feel like that's... I mean, yes, the other two dudes and Annie Malteus were terrible human beings. And they probably would have gone to jail for something else at any point. But I kind of like... I don't know. I kind of like her for this story um not story it was it happened um but i'm telling you it so it's a story You. <laughs> <laughs> i like robin for the crimes like i think she did it and i agree with paul carey the detective though he didn't work <laughs> the case and there was a lot of police stuff going on so i don't know if i trust you paul anyway there are some who say that the fall river cult the actual cult never really existed, that it was just entirely made up by the police and tabloids. Um, But, you know, Carl Drew says, hey, I was never involved in a group like that. I was thrown into the middle of a nightmare that involved these crazy accusations of devil worship and human sacrifice. And he Mm. wrote an autobiography telling his side of the story. However, there are also those who claim that Robin, Carl Drew, and Andy Malteus were only a small piece of the puzzle and that a much larger satanic criminal organization remains deeply rooted in both Bristol County and Providence County, Rhode Island. Some people have even pointed to the locally famous Mary Lou Aruda murder and unsolved New Bedford Highway killer cases as also potentially being tied to this de- in the fall of 1978, the body of Mary Lou Aruba, a 15-year-old girl, abducted from Rainham, Massachusetts, was discovered in the Freetown State Forest, where they went and looked um, where they found the first body. Mm. Her hands were bound behind her head, and she was t- tree by the throat, dying of postural asphyxiation. A man named James Cater was eventually convicted of the crime but not everyone is convinced that he was guilty. Although it wasn't reported at the time, a large cross was discovered near the body and the crime scene uh, happened to be in the same area where the other uh, ritual evidence had been found during the fall river cult murders. 10 years later, a serial killer or killers murdered at least nine sex workers by strangulation and left Mm -hmm. their bodies by the sides of various Bristol highways. According to Alan Alves, who is a free Freetown sorry, who was a Freetown detective who worked on the case, a cross was nailed to the tree near the body of the first victim that was discovered in these series. He further claims that small crosses or makeshift altars were found in the general area of some of the other cases remain unsolved. Of course, this is all speculation, fueled by the residential satanic panic that still exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. But wow. either way, if it existed, it seems to have been a relatively small and informal group consisting of maybe about 12 to, um, it might've been used to connect other street kids, runaways, outcasts, and others as a way to like consolidate them and make them like feel some sense of like community, um, and togetherness by like practicing evil together. Um, right. That's creepy as hell. Yeah. So were these cult murders in a sense, uh, collectively organized and carried out by the group or were they committed by individuals from within its social circle who acted on their own personal motives? You don't really know. Uh, either way, obviously this group is not an actual depiction of Satanism and, um, women were brutally murdered in a really shitty way. And, a cult came out of it. So yeah, this is kind of like a different episode because we're talking about murder and mayhem and cult-ish. But, I mean, they definitely have a leader who, if you act out of line, you're getting murdered, obviously. So, so-
1: no one. Yes. <laughs> oh, what did you think? That was enthralling and awful. So many horrible deaths. Yeah. Nobody oh. should die that way.
0: It was sad. All right. Well, I guess we should end on a happy note, huh? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm going on vacation next week. Ooh, ooh. That's exciting. Um, ooh. With my mother-in-law and her boyfriend and my nephew. Um, we're all going to go to... Nice. No. Williamsburg I keep calling it Williamsburg. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm like yes I got it right this time no I did not Williamsburg which I should know because I went there my junior year of high school with the camp yeah
1: I remember Williamsburg yeah
0: so it'll be hey. interesting we're mostly just going to stay at the resort and like local pool and local things I think they have like a historic drive-by you can do so i think we'll do oh, that nice.
1: all right so like an actual vacation
0: yeah awesome. yeah sure. it'll be good and then wherever we're staying there's going to be like like the restaurants are still open but we're going to be um ordering out or ordering in whatever you call it i don't know yeah <laughs> um out and in haha take yeah. that um staying safe, making sure we're all safe because COVID-19 is still a very very real thing right now. Um, mm-hmm. especially in North Carolina. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. It's bad. Um, thankfully none of us have gotten it yet-ish. Um, or have gotten it. And yeah, so I'm excited about vacation. And I got a bathing suit um post yeah yeah, post two kids i don't feel comfortable in a two-piece or one piece or any piece (laughs) i feel that um but i found this i'll have to take a picture and send it to jada yes Um, it's a two-piece and it's got like it's high waist and then it's got the frillies in the front to block the uh belly such going Mm. on so Chris says it looks nice, and so I'm just gonna go with it. So the, that is my um, my gratitude bits for today. What about you?
1: Mm, I'm really happy to be back to work. I'm. I mean, I yeah? the Same thing like last week, I think. That's but yeah, okay. I am. I really am. I love what I do.
0: That's. I, I mean, love there's that you know, love what you do.
1: People, so sometimes people are strange. Yes. Um, stranger than others. <laughs> but.
0: You know, I love it. Yeah. How is that like, like doing something you love and feeling like you're making a difference in people's lives and bodies? Hmm. It
1: Feels really nice.
0: Nice. Um,
1: especially like when I have the knowledge that somebody is asking for. You know, mm-hmm. like, what if I have this? What do you think that means? I'm like, ah, yes, I can do this.
0: Yes. It's so yeah. empowering. I love that. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. so like I'm like getting chills. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's like it cuz validation like as human beings we need validation. Validation is so freaking important. And when you like I've been in jobs like I just, you know, af- before COVID, um my yeah. job, I felt like I was not living up to the, what I could do. And that I always felt like underutilized and like I could do more and I could be more and I wanted to be more. And I just wanted to be like a part of like the impact. And now that I have my own business, I feel that. And like my client, not to make this about me, but I'm going to (laughs) (laughs) Do
1: do it right now. I
0: will. Um, my client, one of my clients, I hadn't talked to her in about a month because she's been so busy, and you know, half of me was like, "Oh my god, she's gonna fire me!" I just didn't know it, just because like she's been so busy, and I, I'm just an expense now to get her podcast out there. And maybe she doesn't want to do the podcast anymore, but like we had an hour long chat. I showed her how to do some things. We talked over the strategies that we're working on. told her what I'm working on for her business, how we're going to move this forward. And she was like, I'm so excited about this. I'm so happy that I hired you. Like you got this under control. It makes me feel so good about it. And I was like,
1: "Yes,
0: yes, I love it. Like I left the conversation like Ugh, I feel so empowered and I feel like I know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, ah, yeah. So I know what that feels like to go from like a menial job where it doesn't feel like you're making an impact to like doing something you love
1: mm-hmm. and
0: having an impact on people's lives. I mean, you have full like impact on people's bodies. I can't even
1: <laughs>
0: So yours is better, but <laughs> oh, please. It's still like, I, uh, it's so amazing. I love it. I'm so happy for you.
1: I'm so happy for you. Thanks.
0: I'm so proud of you. Yes. It's, oh man, it's been nuts, but it's so
1: good. So, so good. Wow. This episode was good. Were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? Is there a cult you want us to cover? Do you just want to tell us a funny, crazy story or experience you had? Send us your stories at twosisterscult at gmail.com.
0: And we have a Patreon. Our weekly show will always be free, but if you donate to our Patreon, it helps us support the show and allows us to create even more amazing content for you all. You can go to twosisterscult.com, click Patreon. On the top menu, you can get exclusive perks like a shout out on the show, access to our top secret Facebook community, and if you join the $10 level, you'll get a Two Sisters and a cult sticker and exclusive monthly full-length bonus episodes, which will not be available on the podcast.
1: We also have some pretty sweet merch available in our shop. You can pick from decal stickers, t-shirts, lots of other fun stuff. Click shop in the menu at two sisters
0: The best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. If they have a like and review um, or a subscribe, then definitely hit us up. Also, be sure to tell a friend who you think would like us. Uh, honestly, word of mouth and like people telling people
1: is one of the best ways for us to grow. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at two sisters cult. Come hang out with us. Catch you on the flip side. And don't join that cult.